Yo, I'm very excited. I'm going to be honest. I feel like this might be uh, one of the most incredible series that we have had since I have been the pastor. God has just been doing some absolute, there's no, nothing to me. It's just been watching God move through the services. So if you haven't been here, we've been in this series for four weeks now, and the series has been called Under God, question mark, Under God, question mark. The very first week uh, we did, um, the, the, was, uh, this series is all about the pledge. So it's one nation under God, indivisible. And then today we'll be with liberty and justice for all. So one nation is what I talked about the very first week. And I talked about how I am massively in my blood is red, white, and blue. I am an American. I love America. I'm thankful for the people that gave their lives so that I could call myself an American, so that I could be an American, so that our flag can fly. I'm so thankful for those things. I am an American. But not only am I an American, but as, as a Christian, I am actually more loyal to the nation of Jesus Christ than I am America. And so that's what I talked about the very first week was, uh, you know, we live in America, but, uh, but we are, God said, we are his ambassadors to earth. And so the first week we talked about what does that look like to be an ambassador to earth? God has a job description for me. And his job description for me is to go to earth and share his love and share his truth with all people. And so that is what we are supposed to do. That should be our highest priority. One nation, the Christian nation, all across the earth, sharing his love and his truth. And we took communion uh, that first week, and it was so, so beautiful, wonderful, wonderful service. Week two, we probably had the coolest baptismal service we've ever had. It was so cool. Y'all, as I, I was telling our deacon team, as I would like put, we baptized 16 people. And as I would dump someone in the water and they would come up, up here, it was like a roaring celebration. It was the coolest baptismal service we've ever had. So we baptized 16 people. And then I talked about uh, living under God. If you remember on the, on the bulletin, there was under, uh, under culture and under God. And you had to write whether you're more influenced by culture or whether you're more influenced by God. And what we talked about was how do we live under God and follow God in a culture that is becoming increasingly hostile towards God? Anyone find that to be challenging sometimes? And so last week was indivisible. It's an incredible service, y'all. We honored our retired board members that serve to set the foundation here at Clawson and our retired pastors that set the foundation that we're able to celebrate and we're able to enjoy today. The church that they built that we are now building for the future generations. We honored those people. My, my dad preached and he talked about unity. And he talked about how important it is for Christians across the board to unify together. One of the most powerful things that he said that I thought was so good, he was talking about you. sometimes you have to choose a loss, whether that's a loss in culture or whether that's a loss with God. You have to choose a loss. And this is what he said, and I found this to be so good. He said, some losses you cannot recover from, and others you can't. So when you lose, make sure that what you lose, you can live without. He was talking about your character. He was talking about your integrity. He was talking about the, well, versus the things of this world. Make sure that what you lose, you can lose with that. That's so powerful. I wrote that down. That'll be with me forever. It was so good. This week, I'm going I'm to close this series out with a message entitled, With Liberty and Justice for All. For decades and decades here in this country, most people embraced Jesus. They embraced the Bible. They embraced the teachings of the Bible. 
It was very, very normal back in the day for everybody to go, most everybody to go to church. Amen? And I'm very sad to say that that is no longer true. I'm not a doomsday guy, but I am somebody that likes to observe the facts and understand the facts. And the facts are that we are no longer living in a day where more people are about, in America, where more people are about Jesus and God than the things of Jesus than are not. In fact, Barna Research, which is a very, very um, um, good research, uh, very known for their research, they did a study that said that 48% of Americans now identify themselves as post-Christians. 48% of Americans identify themselves as post-Christians. So what does that mean, post-Christians? Let's, let's dig into this a little bit. A pre-Christian would be somebody that uh, before they ever learned about Jesus, they, they, they don't know about Jesus, or maybe they've heard a little bit about Jesus or the things of Jesus. But there's, there's uh, native groups all over the world that right now are pre-Christian because they've never heard anything about Jesus Christ. They've never experienced Jesus Christ. They never experienced the love and the forgiveness and, 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 and accepted him as their savior. That's what it means to be pre-Christian before Jesus. Everybody say BC. Before Jesus, pre-Christians. And then you have your Christians. That's hopefully those of us in this room. Christians are people that are living their life out for Jesus Christ. No longer I living, but him living in me. That is what a Christian is. A Christian is somebody that's serving Jesus, that is living out the mission that he has for me. So that's a Christian. So what would a post-Christian be? Y'all, this is so sad because it's 48% of Americans describe themselves as a post-Christian. Post-Christians means that they know about Jesus Christ. It means that they've most likely experienced in some form or fashion church or Christ or Christianity. And have chosen, even though they've experienced either Christ or some form of Christ, maybe a, a, a religious form of Christ that wasn't really Christ, for whatever reason, they are choosing to reject the Bible and the teachings of Christ. That's 48% of American people that are looking at themselves as post-Christians. For years and years, faith was more of the center of who we are for years, being a Christian was, was considered generally positive. And if you were a Christian, you were held on a kind of a pedestal, like a high esteemed position, like you have more integrity than, than the rest of the people in the world. Well, they're a Christian, so they're going to do the right thing. They're going to be the right kind of person. Listen, that is no longer the case in America. Now, if you call yourself a Christian, it is mostly, especially in the media, considered a negative thing. Listen, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not ashamed of the title Christian. But the term Christian is very loaded today. I would consider myself an evangelical Christian. What does that mean? Some of you are like, well, I'm just a Christian. What, what, what are you talking about evangelical? And evang it's sad that we have to have different types of, uh, uh, of Christians. But an evangelical Christian is somebody that believes and understands that it is my job to not only call myself a Christian and follow the things of Christ, but it is my job to share Christ with other people. It's my job to preach Jesus and his gospel and do what he asked me to do. An evangelical Christian is someone that's trying to influence the rest of the world with Jesus. And I'm, I'm proud of that, honestly. But today, in our media, if I was 
classifying myself as a white evangelical Christian. That's dangerous. Why? Because those things are associated with hate and bigotry. And, and, and if, well, if you're a Christian, then you just, you hate everybody. Why do I have to hate everybody? But that's what it's associated with. If you're, if you're a Christian, if you want people to honor things and have integrity and, and you want to stand against abortion and stand against the sexual things that are going on, all the sexual immoralities, if you want to stand against those things, then you are, you're just full of hate and bigotry. Amen? That is the world that we live in. Why do we live in that world? I think there's several different reasons. Number one is because so many people have understood and seen Christianity as these religious people that go out and hold, you know, picket stands that says God hates, I seen one, I'm just going to say it, that says God hates fags, or that says God hates these people. How many of y'all have experienced that? You've seen that. You've seen it on the media. You've seen it in the news, or you've seen white supremacies trying to say that, that God is the reason to use the Bible behind this, this thing that they have with white supremacy. Listen, the reason that people hate Christians and view Christianity as something that is negative is because they have seen a false sense of Christianity. That's not real. It's fake. They've manipulated Jesus Christ, the teachings of Jesus Christ, and who he is to make it into their own agenda. And since that has happened, y'all, that's the furthest thing from Jesus Christ. It damages the label Christian, but unfortunately, this is the world that we live in. So our job as a Christian is to bring that good name back to Jesus Christ. The good news is, and I said this a couple of weeks ago, and I thought dad illustrated it really well last week, is that the darker that the world gets, the brighter that the light shines. And so what do you mean, pastor? I mean, the darker that the world gets, the more that they real church of Jesus will shine bright. The church full of love, yet full of truth. As genuine, real Christians, we don't run from culture. We influence it. So how do we start that? First of all, we have to start by acknowledging the, the climate of the culture that we're in today and understanding people where they are. So big question, how do we faithfully live for Jesus in a post-Christian culture? How do we faithfully live for Jesus in a post-Christian culture? A culture that has heard the truth, a culture that knows the truth, that knows who Jesus is and yet rejects him. If you have your Bibles, I feel like the answer is found in John chapter one. And hey, let's get our blood flowing. Everybody stand up, young, read it with me. Stand up and read it with me. If you'll put it on the screen, Andrew, let's go over this together. Here, read it with me. One, two, three. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. Everybody say life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Now, the last one, verse 14. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. 
We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son. He came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Everybody say grace and truth. Grace and truth. Okay, you can be seated. We're going to dive right into this. So the title to the message, if you're taking notes, with liberty and justice for all. But what I really want to talk to you about today is grace and truth. Liberty works hand in hand with grace and justice has everything to do with truth. You know, I think that one of the biggest challenges that we face is how do we live in this culture? How do we in this culture love with grace without compromising truth? Y'all, that's tough. Amen? It's so easy if we are not careful to sway one way or sway the other way. Grace or truth? How do we love with grace without compromising truth? Some of you may have grown up in a culture that was way more truth-centered. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Oh, I hear y'all laughing. Way more truth-centered. You were brought up that everything that you did was going to send you to hell. Right? I mean, I, I can remember growing up, this was probably more 20, the, the norm 20 to 30 years ago here in the Bible Belt. I mean, literally, if you're a ki church kid growing up in the church, you literally thought, if I say a cuss word at some point today, I'm going to burn in hell if I go to sleep and die. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You were raised in a culture that was way more truth-centered than it was grace-centered. So I can remember at 14 years old, I thought everything was sending me to hell. I thought my Jinko jeans. How many of y'all know what Jinko jeans are? Put up, put up that picture of those Jinko jeans. Y'all, could you picture me and where that? Oh, come on. Okay. How many of y'all know what Jinkos are? Yeah, I used to wear, they had 24-inch bottoms. Uh. <laughs> I thought my Jinko jeans, I'm going to hell. Because, I mean, I, mean that's just, I can't do it. I thought that my earrings were going to send me to hell. I thought that my crazy hair, I remember when I met my father-in-law, he'll tell this story. He told, uh, he told my wife, you can date anyone but that guy. <laughs> True story. I had a blue mohawk. It was awesome. And so that's, I literally thought everything that I had, my, my hair, my earrings, my jeans, my, my, my shirt, I'm going to hell because of all of these things. Why? Because I was taught that those things were going to send me to hell. Not by my parents, but literally everybody in the church. And you know what scripture they used? Anybody can tell me? Here's the scripture. Don't conform to the world. Don't conform to the patterns of this world. Because if you conform to the pattern, you, with your little earrings, you're conforming to the people of this world. I swear I heard that like 38 times growing up. I wanted to go, are you wearing clothes? What world did them clothes come from? Who are you conforming to? If my clothes came from this world and your clothes came from this world, how in the world am I conforming to the world? Amen? How, how are you? You got earrings on, lady, and you telling me that I'm going to hell because of my earrings? I 
I grew up in this. Now, that wasn't my parents. My parents, now, they, they very much wanted me to be able to do things that I could do that wasn't sin, because those things obviously are not sin. They're earrings. No earring is going to send you to hell. They're, they're, they're clothes. All clothes are worldly. This human body is worldly. Thankfully, we have the spirit of God that comes in us that is not worldly, that leads us and guides us in all truth. But every physical part of our, of, our, of our life is worldly. And so you can't take a scripture like don't conform to this things of this world and start yelling at your kids and start yelling at these people. But because of their doing this, they're conforming to the world because you might want to turn the finger back at you. Amen. Yeah, that's tough. I, I, I think I got a little resentment built up in me. <laughs> From uh, <laughs> all of that based off of this. So, so honestly, my philosophy growing up was if I'm going to hell, I might as well just live like I'm going to hell. Amen? Anybody else, you jump out of this like really religious environment and go, I don't want nothing to do with that, baby. And so what do you do? You just, if I'm going, let's go right. Let's party it up. Let's be stupid if we're going to go. The Bible says either be cold or be hot. Don't be in the middle. Let's go one way, right? And so that's what I did for so many years. But I did that because I did not understand who Christ was. What happened was people gave me their opinion of truth and they took something that was truth. Don't conform to the patterns of this world. And they made it their own thing that was not truth. And they made me feel like anything that I'm doing is I'm going to go to hell. So I can't even do anything to be able to make me go to heaven. I might as well just live bad. And so many people chose that route because they lived in it where they did not understand the things of Jesus and the things of God. It was all truth or a watered down version of truth, half truths and no grace. And that's what you get with all truth and no grace on the flip side. Now there's all grace and no truth. That's a lot more common today in our culture, especially with mega churches and lots of messages and mentalities that they have. Probably more churches than not now have a very censored, seeker-sensitive message that is actually so much grace and almost no truth. I mean, here's the deal, right? Jesus loves you. Jesus loves me. He created me and he understands me. And so since he loves me, really, I can, he wants me to be happy. And so I can live how I want to live and I can do the things that I want to do. And he's still going to love me and he's still going to accept me for who I am because he created me this way. That is the messages that we hear. In so many churches, listen, I can today, I can choose my own sexual preference. I can choose to have adultery. I can choose to be straight or gay or try. I can choose whatever it is that I want to choose because I'm supposed to be happy. I can choose whether to live a life full of sin and Jesus is just going to accept me. It's my body. So I choose what I want to do with my body. That's actually not what the Bible says. The Bible says when we become a Christian, we are surrendering our body to him. But it's my body and Jesus made me and he understands me. So if I want to take out, it's my body and I don't want to get stretch marks. It's my body and I don't want to do this. And if I want to take out what's inside of me, I can. I can make whatever choice I want. 
And what we do is we make everything about us, me, 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 me. And then somehow, some way, we think that it's good enough because he loves me. He's going to forgive me for all of my shortcomings and all of my things that go exactly against what the word of God says. Y'all, it's getting heavy in here. Those are messages, all grace with no truth. So this morning, how do we, neither one of those are good. Giving people all truth and not showing them any grace, they're never going to get saved. And giving people all grace and not sharing with them truth is going to share with them the love of God and their heart is going to be bubbling up and understanding the love of Jesus. But if they don't know truth and they don't get truth, they're still going to hell. So you did nothing for them. So you got to have truth and grace. Grace and truth. Listen to me. Truth without grace leads to rules and rebellion. You know, there's kind of a running joke in the world. You always tell your kids, don't date the preacher's kid. Why, why don't you date the preacher's kid? Because they're, they're the worst. Nowadays, it's don't date the preacher's kid. I don't mean to throw anybody under the bus, but the United Pentecostals have this big thing right now. Their, their kids are like, it's, it's a big thing. Don't date the UPC kids because they're bad. You know why they're bad? I can tell you why they're bad. I know. I lived it. I can tell you why the preacher's kids are bad. I can tell you exactly why the UPC kids are bad. Because they are being raised in an environment that is truth, 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 truth. Behave truth. What will the church people think? Truth. Truth, 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 truth. And no grace. And when you have true, 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 truth, and you don't have any grace because we're people, and just like you were stupid, they're going to be stupid. And if you can't show them the same grace that Jesus showed you, you know exactly what they're going to do. They're going to go out and be stupid. And it's our fault. Why? Because we beat them over the head with truth. And when they do stupid things, we don't have any grace for them. Tell that eats me up. That's why so many kids want nothing to do with church or church people. Because so many churches are beating kids and people over the head with truth. And they don't have any grace. They sound and they look just like the Pharisees. It leads to rules. Rules are made to be broken. In the human life, that's what we do. We break them. If you lived in a, grew up in a legalistic home, here's what you got. You got a bunch of rules. No movies, no makeup. Boys, you better have a clean cut hair. Girls, you better have long hair. You got to eat certain things. Your dress better be, your shorts better be passed. My, my son would be in trouble. Your <laughs> Your shorts better be past your fingertips. <laughs> I'm going to start that rule in my house. Rylan, your shorts got to be past your fingertips, boy. <laughs> oh. Listen, you know what that does? Here's what it does. It raises a rebellious spirit in your kids. If you don't let them be them, things that they want. I, I so respect my parents. 
because they let me have the dumbest haircuts I've ever seen in my life. <clears throat> it was like, it was, it was straight hardcore till I was about 13. Then at 13, they were like, okay, let's just, let's try to, let's, you know, let's prioritize here. And so I remember I had these, I'm going to call them my antennas because I had a whole bald head and then I had two braids that came down to about right here in the front of my head. It's good stuff. <laughs> Thankfully, I cannot find a picture of that time in my life. So very, very good there. But listen, here's what you get. You get know this, know that. Know, how many of y'all know what I'm talking about? No, 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 no. You can't do anything. Legalism is rules that you follow to be right with God. And if you're raised in a legalistic home, here's what you believe. You believe if I follow these rules and if I can do all of this and mom and dad told me to do this, 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 and if I can do all of those things, I can be right with God. And if I can't do those things, I can't be right with God. And so what does that do? It leads to rebellion. What is rebellion? Rebellion is I know what I'm supposed to do I know what God has called me to do. I know what he's leading me to do. And yet I'm choosing not to do it anyways. That is what rebellion is. And that is what happens probably 90 to 95% of the time when people grow up in a legalistic environment. They go crazy when they get out of the house. You know, a big challenge to this is the fact that we are naturally rebellious coming up. I mean, y'all believe me. It's natural in you for you to be rebellious. You don't believe me? Anybody ever have a two-year-old? Does anybody have two-year-olds right now? Y'all, could you just re reach your hands that way? Pray, 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 pray. Listen, you know what you can do with a two-year-old? You, you, nobody teaches them to be rebellious, and they are the most rebellious little things you've ever seen. You go up to a two-year-old, and you say, hey, Emmy, baby, I don't want you to touch that, okay? So just don't touch that. You know what Emmy does? Not only does she touch it, but she'll walk over to it. She'll look up at you to make sure that you see her. And then you walk outside and go, Lord, I'm a beater. She's going to die. Cause I'm going <laughs> to listen. You're potty training a two year old. They know what they're doing at two years old. You're potty training a two-year-old. You start potty training the two-year-old. You, you can see that face. You know what I'm saying? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Parents, you know what I'm talking about? That face. Emmy, are you pooping in your pants? She'll look up at you. No. I don't need to go to the bathroom. Are you sure? Because you look like you're concentrating pretty hard, baby. No, she will stand there, stare you down and lie to you while she takes a dump in her pants. That's what two year olds do. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? That's what two year olds do. And we're raised up to be naturally rebellious. So we're raised in an environment where there's no relationship, but it's all rules, 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 rules. Then naturally we become rebellious. And that's what we've seen in our culture. And that's what we've seen with our babies. That's what my generation got to see coming up. Probably several of you. Listen, Adam and Eve living in the garden. I'm sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. The fastest way to raise a rebellious kid is to have rules without relationship, is to have truth without grace. Do this, do that, do this, do that. What's going to happen is it will lead to them being rebellious. 
Now, if on the other hand, we have grace without truth, what does that lead to? Take this, write this down in your notes, if you're taking notes. Grace without truth leads to do whatever and believe whatever. Why? Because there is no truth. Grace without truth leads to do whatever and believe whatever. You know, a common thought today, a common truth today is this. I believe in Jesus, so I'm okay to live however I want to. You know what my fear is? Honestly, my fear is that there are so many people today that are getting little snippets of Jesus. Just enough to make them feel good, but not enough to make them change. They're getting messages of grace with an absence of truth. And that is just as dangerous as true, 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 truth with no grace. Amen? That's oh, quiet in here. Listen to me now. Thousands and thousands of pastors are preaching these messages and they're loving it. Why? Because churches are filling up. Why are churches filling up? Because people are preaching half, half truths to make people feel like they can live how they want and they can believe how they want. And Jesus is still going to accept them no matter what they do. And listen, church, I want to tell you that is the furthest thing from the truth. Amen. Amen. It's grace without without truth leads to do whatever and believe whatever. You know what's interesting, though, and I think this is so good. So how do we find that medium ground? How do we love with grace? and yet not compromise truth. Because so many people right now, it's so natural to compromise truth. How do we lead with grace without compromising truth? In John's gospel, which is the one that we just read a few minutes ago, I think that it's incredibly cool that grace comes before truth. I can't prove it, but I think this is so good. Perhaps grace is listed before truth because we need to lead with grace before we ever speak truth. Think about that. We need to be full of grace and show grace and show love before anyone has to hear truth. Now, churches are so, so good nowadays at grace, 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 but they become so full of grace and it's attracted so many people and so many people are coming that they're having an absence of truth. And what we have to do is love and pull in with grace and then let them have truth. Our message is not, listen to me, people need to feel loved and welcomed in our presence before they ever believe what we preach. Our message is not behave like us so that you can follow Jesus. Our message is come and follow Jesus and build a relationship with him and let him lead you to eternal life. See, if you have a relationship with Jesus and you have the spirit of God living in you, then he is leading you and he is guiding you in what's sin for you and what you do and don't need to do. Not that, I mean, obviously, if the Bible says it's sin, it's sin. But there's also other things in your life that if God's got a plan for you and something's gonna stop you from getting to that plan, then he can share with you, the spirit of God can share with you, you shouldn't do that. Amen? 
And so the point of having a relationship with Jesus is because we don't look at this thing like, oh God, I got to follow all of these rules. No. It's so that as he lives in me, as he speaks to me, as he leads me and guides me, he helps me to walk out my salvation every single day. Grace and truth. It starts with Jesus. It ends with Jesus. It's not a behavior-based Christianity. It is a Jesus-based Christianity. Grace and truth. And if we're going to be successful in reaching the world around us, that is growing ever so, that is growing so fast in the post-Christian mindset and skeptical about truth, we're going to have to lead with grace before we speak truth. You know, truth to them, when, when, when you go to somebody and you speak truth, a lot of times they feel like you're arrogant or that you're crazy or that you think that you're, you're a know-it-all. Like, hey, or self-righteous. Hey, what's true for you may not be true for me. So I don't want to hear what you have to say. Anybody ever heard that? Well, what's true for you might not be. Well, either it's true or it's false. Amen. And so you got to dig into truth. People today are not looking for truth, honestly. They're looking for people that will be real and people that will be honest. They're looking for a people, a group of people that they can get in and they, they can feel love. That's what people are looking for. And that's what we need to give them. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to be very, very honest since they need honesty. I think that the church has not always gotten it right. Anybody else maybe a little bit believe that? I think that the church has not always gotten it right. What do you mean, pastor? Some of you are probably sitting in here. <laughs> I was kind of like this. And you have this thought process. I don't really like Christians because they're so screwy or hypocritical or whatever. Anybody? You don't have to raise your hands. I'll raise my hand. Listen, can I be honest with you? There's a lot of Christians that I don't like either. This is, that's just me being honest. Why? Because they're screwy and they're hypocritical. And what you're saying legitimately has some, some truth to it. It's not false. It's truth. And so what do we have to do? We have to get this thing back right because we haven't always done it right. So many people in this post post Christian mindset they feel like that truth is trying to oppress them or truth is trying to restrict them. Truth, you know, if, 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 truth means I got to follow all these rules and hate my life and fear every day that if I make a mistake, I'm going to hell. Listen, that is the furthest thing from truth. Truth is freeing. Truth is liberating. Truth is life-giving. And you guys aren't half as excited as I am about that. <laughs> Adam and Eve are living in the garden and God comes down and he says, I want you guys to populate the earth. And Adam says, amen. And he says, I want you to live off the land and I want you guys to go and live your life and have fun. Oh yeah. There's, there's one thing real quick. I don't want you to eat from that tree. And you know what we do? 
He gives us this beautiful life. I will give you everything that you need. I will be your provider. I'll be your protector. I'll do all the different things, but don't eat from that tree. He wasn't trying to restrict them or, or, or oppress them. He was simply trying to protect them because he loved them and they couldn't see it that way. They said, no, I, I just, I, if I don't get to eat from that tree, then God doesn't love me. He's trying to stop me from living my best life. So what do they do? They go and do the one stinking thing that he tells them not to do. Golly. Listen, what is truth? The truth is, truth is not oppressing and restricting. The truth is that when you give your life to Jesus and you really genuinely begin to understand who he is and the life that he has for you, it is so freeing and it is so liberating and it is awesome. That is truth. The truth is that God is wanting to give us our best life. We just have a hard time seeing it that way sometimes. You know, here's what the Bible says, and I love this. It says, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And when you know him, the truth will set you free. Somebody say, he is truth. And what we should do is lead by his example of showing grace as we give people truth. Truth alone without grace leads to rules and rebellion. Truth with grace leads to the essence of who Jesus really is. The living word, the son of God, who came not to condemn the world, but to set the world free. Now I said earlier that I think that the church has not always gotten it right. And I stand by that. I think if you go back in American history and you go back in our Christian history, what you will find, let me, let me help you out. Let's back up a few decades because I think if we go back a few decades, we can understand how we got to where we are right now. So go back to the 1950s. I'm not gonna ask who lived in the 1950s, but let's go back to the 1950s. So 1950s, from, from what I studied, in the 1950s, it was a huge percentage of American people that went to church. Tons of them went to church, like way, way up there. People that went to church, it was a natural thing for people to go to church. They, they wanted to, to be people full of character and people full of love, and they wanted to have integrity. And, and you could make deals back then and shake hands with each other and know, I don't need to have a contract because that person's going to be honest with me. Or you could, you, know, you could leave your doors wide open and you wouldn't have to lock your doors and your stuff's not going to get broke into. Why? Because people went to church and they had character and those were things that they valued. And then you get to the 1960s. In the 1960s, a huge percent of people were stoned. It's true. You go through, go through our, some of you that lived through the 1960s, you may not remember them. <laughs> a huge percentage of people that lived through the 1960s, that's when a huge dr- drugs begin to come into our world. And so what happens is we go from the 1950s where everybody cared about integrity and they cared about their word and they cared about those things into the 1960s where we have this massive drug movement that changes our culture in America. Then you go into the 1970s, and in the 1970s, 
In the 1970s, there's the church is looking around going, oh, snap. We're losing tons and tons and tons of ground. What do we do? And so they begin to try to figure out what it is that we do. And they begin to preach a lot of hellfire and brimstone. It's true, 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 true. Trying to wake up this generation that went out into the drugs. In the 1970s was still an, an infiltration of drugs. In the 1990s, 80s, kind of the same thing. In the 1990s, the 80s, we begin to see some revivals take place. Some, some things happen in the 1990s. This is where we made this big shift. In the 90s was a huge shift of churches wanting to be more relevant to the culture than preaching truth to the culture. And so in the 1990s, it was how do we get people in the church? Do we need donuts and coffee? Do we need, uh, you know, how can we make the church? Let's get some cool lights and some, you know, how can we get people to darken our doors? And so we, with this, this whole, how do we make our church relevant? And in a it was a good thing for us to do was to make ourselves relevant to the culture because as culture changed, honestly, the church has to change. But the things about the church like truth and integrity, that does not have to change. And what we've seen in early 2000s, in the early 2000s, you begin to see this massive shift of churches beginning to accept things that should never be accepted. Why? Because we want to be relevant to our culture. And we want people to come in and we want to make sure that our church is full. And because we want to make sure the church is full, instead of giving them truth, we are entertaining them. Can I be honest with you? I don't care if I'm preaching to 10 of you or 800 of you. You're going to get the same me. We cannot be swayed by culture. And what we've seen in our history is this massive sway in the early 2000s. And now in 2020, what we have is honestly, just like we have a divided nation, left, right, Republican, Democrat, everything's divided. We have a divided church. And the church is divided really by three parts. First of all, you have this all grace and no truth church. It's coming up that you can live however you want. You can do whatever you want. You can be a Christian. You can call yourself a Christian. You can follow Christ, which is a load of baloney. And then you have this other side that is just really, really religious. And they see that group over there and they're like, oh, we hate them because they're doing everything wrong. And so we're going to be anti everything that they are. And you have this big space. And then you got the genuine church that's in the middle going, hey, y'all, you, if you could just pull from each other, you could both have it right. Because we do need to be graceful because people are stupid. And instead of hiding our sins, we should confess our sins and move forward from our sins. You got to have both. You got to lead with grace. But you cannot put back truth because you're trying to be relevant. As I get ready to close, I want to ask our band to come, our worship team to come. Listen, can I tell you that Jesus was so good at leading with grace and being graceful and also leading and being truthful. I want you to think about Jesus real quick. He came full of grace and truth. That was our scripture. Jesus condemned hypocrisy. What is that? Everybody say truth. And yet he comforted sinners. What is that? Oh, come on, y'all help me out. Grace. 
Okay, when the Pharisees were out of line, Jesus goes up and says, you brood of vipers. What is that? Thank you. It is true. You guys are awesome. You're doing great. But then you have the woman at the well. He encounters this woman that has had all of these wrong relationships. And instead of judging her, he pulls her in and he has grace with her. And he says, I will give you living water that make you never thirst for those things again. What is that? Grace. Grace. He's full of truth and grace. He overturned tables at the tabernacle because people were making money off of sacrifices. What is that? Truth. Jesus called out sin and hypocrisy. What was that? Uh-huh, y'all thought it was going to be a grace one, so he was quiet. <laughs> Listen, with grace, he loved the outcasts, he touched the lepers, and he befriended prostitutes. Jesus came full of truth and grace. There's no better story. Now I'm going to close with this than the woman that was caught in the act of adultery. Now don't ask me how he, she was caught, because that's weird. How do you get caught in the act of adultery? I don't know if it was like a sting operation and they set it up. But this woman was caught in the act of adultery. And listen to me. Stay with me here. So she's caught in the act of adultery. And the Pharisees, and the, they, they, they grab these stones and they run up to Jesus and they throw this woman down in front of Jesus. And they say, the law says, what is that? Truth. Oh, snap. Truth. The law says that if somebody is caught in the act of adultery, that we should stone her. What do you say? Thank you, Jesus. What do you say? The truth is we should stone this woman because she's full of sin. And that's what truth says to kill her. What do you say? The Bible says that Jesus leaned down and he began to ride in the sand. And they continue. They begin to get more angry. Come on. We want to stone her. We want to kill this woman. This is the truth. What do you say? And Jesus stood up. And he says, hey, guys, how about the one of you that don't have any sin in your life? Why don't you cast the first stone? It's so easy to give truth to everybody else. Sometimes we need to take a little self-evaluation. And the Bible says that one after one, I thought this was cool, from the oldest to the youngest. What does that mean? It's probably the wise guys that were like, oh, snap. I know what he was saying. I'm getting out of here. They begin to drop their stones. They begin to walk away. And Jesus goes back down into the dirt and he comes up. And he says, oh, where's the accusers? Is nobody left? And she says, no. What was that? That was grace. That was overwhelming grace. Was it the opposite of truth? No. It was giving the truth in a way that she could receive it. Some of you need to hear that. And so he loves her, and then he gives her truth. He doesn't say to you, to her, okay, now you can go back and live your life however you want. You can go be whoever you want. You can make it about you. You can go out and live the dream and be happy and everything's going to be okay. No, that is not what he says. He gives her grace more than anybody has ever showed her grace before. And then he says, 
Now go and sin no more. Truth. He loves her with grace. He overwhelms her with grace. He touches her heart with grace because that's who Jesus is in dead gum at church. That's who we're supposed to be. And then he gives her the truth. Actually, you can't live that way and serve Jesus. I love you. Now go and sin no more. Truth. But what we do so many times is we try to truth, 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 truth. And nobody wants to hear it. Why? Because you haven't earned the right to speak in their life at all. Would you stand with me this morning? In just a second, they're going to start singing a song. And I want to ask right now for our altar team, would you guys step out and you come? We're going to sing one song before we go eat. And here's what I want to do with every head bowed and every eye closed. If you are here this morning and you need to receive some grace, maybe you were raised in a legalistic environment. Maybe, maybe you've been confused on what truth was. Maybe you just need someone to speak truth into your life, whatever that looks like. If you're here and you are overwhelmed and you need someone to pray for you and you need some grace in your life, listen, that is who Jesus is. And in just a second, I want to invite you to come down. If you're not living for the Lord, if you've been living this life, I'll just do whatever I want and I'll live however I want and I'll do whatever I want. And I feel like Jesus is going to accept me for who I am. He loves you for who you are. But if you're going to call yourself a Christian, then you got to be a Christian. Every head bowed and every head closed. There's three groups of people that I want to invite to the altar as we sing the song. Number one, if you need to give your life to Christ, there's no better time than right now to do that. If you need to give yourself to him and allow him to overwhelm you with his grace and his truth, that's who he is. Number two, if you're here and you have been way more full of truth than grace, and you've truth, 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 truthed your kids, and you've truth, 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 truth people, but you've had a lot of hard times showing people grace, and you would like for the Lord to help you to receive grace so that you can give it in just a second when they come, would you come? And lastly, if you're here and you've been so full of grace that you've been absent of truth, and you need someone, maybe you need some questions answered, maybe you need some some truth spoken into you and spoken over you, if that's you, in just a second. Anybody else that needs prayer for anything, whether you need healing, whatever, we're going to sing one song. And now is the time. You can either sing this song with us or you can come get the prayer that you need. Right now, as we sing this song, would you step out and would you come? Yes, Lord.